Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is my guy, Corey Wooten. Uh, and joining us here, gracing us with their presence, Corey, is <laughs> the terrible, the terrible two, the great tandem that is Adam Hogue and Mark Carmen. I gotta be I honest. Feel like I'm Dick, already... I feel like Dick Duran. You know why? Why? Because <laughs> Dick Duran once famously said, "It's not my show, but I'm on that show." <laughs> yeah, you're you're in, you're in my you're in my world now, Grandpa. Right? Oh, so, yeah. wow. I'm er, I'm early triggered. I don't like Bragg's leading. I don't know if I could make it through the show. I'm gonna do the best I can. <laughs> Well, hey, I got to do it every week. Maybe I'll have some yeah. impersonations of them. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're, look, we're looking forward to it. A little national championship pregame show while everybody gets ready for the, the, the big game tonight for Michigan and, um, you know, Washington. Definitely excited to see that game. But obviously, you know, we talked to you, Corey, last night, you know, uh, on the postgame show and got your reaction to the Packers game. But. Obviously here on Bears After Dark, everyone knows that me and you have been going 12 rounds and we have reached <laughs> the final bell. And uh, yes, I've been flipping and flopping uh, and we all understand why it's a tough decision, but I did plant my flag in the ground after the game yesterday. And uh, yes, Corey, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but I, I do believe the Chicago Bears will draft Caleb Williams come April 25th. Hey, that's your opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you finally stood your ground and you, and you planted your flag for what you really you didn't let me bully you into a decision. You know, you got nervous last week. You were like, I don't know. Thing is, you manned up. You made your decision. I respect that. OK, finally, Ooh. finally, Braggs. <laughs> Ooh, I have a question for you, because I we know at this point where you stand, you you definitely think Justin Fields is the guy. But what do you think the Bears will do? I. I honestly think they'll they'll stick with him. I, I really do. I know people find that hard to realize, but if you look at this league and how to build a team, right? Quarterback is definitely a component of the team, but I think building around them, right? Good offense and defensive lines, that's where I really stand on, on how you build a dominant franchise. I think you do it in the trenches. The top teams in the league are that way for a reason. And I talked about last night how Philly – it's kind of they're they're not they're kind of like last year's Minnesota Vikings, right? They started out very hot, now they're kind of fizzling, and I think it's because of their defensive line. I think they're not as dominant as they were a year ago. So my my big thing has always been build around the offensive defensive lines, add another weapon at receiver, and I think they could be a uh, a pretty dominant defense. Like this defense is already pretty dominant dominant this year without. Pass rushers. Montez Sweat had a great year, but other than him, it was mostly linebacker help. Um, so I, I think once you add another end opposite him and potentially a three technique, I think this defense would be pretty scary. I think the linebacking core is, is a really great bunch. Cornerback, the, all, the, all the defensive backs, I think they were playing at a pretty high level. Um, I think this defense could be pretty dominant if you had those pieces. Woody, if you had to give your biggest Corey Wooten surprise of 2023, I'm going to give this dude props. He 
exceeded where I thought he would be, uh, you know, from where the season started to where it ended. Anybody jump to mind? Two guys. First, first being Jervon Dexter. Um, when he was drafted, you, you guys saw how I reacted. He wasn't a fit for the scheme. You saw him early on, not really make an impact. Then probably week maybe seven, around there, we started to see him make an impact, being in the backfield, tackles for loss, pressures, sacks. And towards the end of the season, he was a dominant force. And I texted you guys the one game when he had the two sacks. I said, he still is the last person off the ball. So imagine when he could really focus on getting off the football. I don't think people realize how impressive that is, that he's making an impact and not even getting off the football. So that, that's what I was, when we were drafting him, I'm like, sometimes with the get off, that is a hard thing to really teach. It's usually guys either have it or they don't, right? You can work on it a little bit, but it just seems like even in pass rushing situations, there's no reason he should be the last person off the ball every time. Ball snapped one, two, and then you're getting off. So this off season, if he could really focus on the get off, if I were him, I'd go to a pass rush specialist, Chuck Smith, former defensive end that played for the Falcons. Go to him this offseason. Really work on your get-off, work on your pass rush arsenal. Because if he can work on those two things, he could be a dominant force in this league. 6'6", 315 to 320, as quick as he is, as strong as he is, nobody can block him at that point. Chubbs asked asked in the chat uh, from your vantage point, Wood, how do you think Dexter played yesterday? I didn't think the defensive line in general played very well. We didn't see consistent pressure. We didn't see the consistent push. I thought on both sides of the ball, they, they, they got dominated. Um, I agree. You know, we just we just didn't see the pressure that we had been seeing in the weeks prior. I thought Green Bay did a great job, and, and they were without David Bakhtiari pretty much this whole year. I thought this would be a really good opportunity um, to really step up and go against them. But I just thought we got dominated. Jervon Dexter, I didn't really see much from him um, that really stood out. Uh, yeah, this this was an old-fashioned old ass-whooping uh, on both sides of the football in the trenches. Yeah. Well, we had, oh. we had, yeah, we had a, sorry, Braggs, I don't mean to hijack your show. This is You're your good. show. Can I, I wanted to ask about um, the conversation we had earlier on our show today that I think we really do need a player's opinion on. So Nicholas Moriano, our reporter out at House Hall, sent a bunch of video in from the locker room today, which is, you know, exit interview day, clean out your locker, get out of there. You don't come back till, till April unless you're rehabbing an injury or something or live down the street and want to pop by sometimes. Um, it caught my ear more than anything else that as these interviews were happening, the locker room seemed really loud and like, in some cases, very jovial. You could hear guys laughing in the background. Um, so I asked Nick about that because he was there and we weren't. And Nick was like, yeah, you know, at one point Montez sweat was even pushing around. Who was it? He said one of his teammates in a, one of the carts Kabrim. Um, well, Khalid Kareem, who I totally Khalid, forgot was on the yeah, team. Khalid Kareem. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie. It was like. Kind of weird. Well, it, <laughs> you know, here's my question. I mean, you just lost to the Packers last night in what we all thought was a big game. At least I thought it was. And I, I don't know. Is, does that bother you at all as a former player that they, they were that happy the day after a game? Or does it just not matter because they weren't playing for the playoffs and whatever? Everyone gets to go home. Yeah, I'm thinking back about the times that we didn't make the playoffs when I played, and it was it was very quiet. I don't know if you remember those times. It was like very quiet locker room. Guys would go there, they clean out their stuff. 
not really not really talk much, not laughing. It it was kind of it was kind of like one of those moments where you knew it wasn't a time to joke around. It was kind of serious because ultimately this could be the last time this whole team with certain pieces of the puzzle, right? Jalen Johnson could not be here, Justin Fields, and the list goes on and on. So you kind of really don't know what's going to happen. And I remember you talked about Lovey yesterday and after he got fired. That that was one of the craziest moments to me. Um, I was definitely upset that he got fired. But like you said, Devin Hester, um, Tillman, all these guys crying over a coach. It just shows how much of an impact you know he had on these guys. So it's kind of interesting, like when we were talking about that yesterday, like how would you feel if, if Eberflus got fired? Do you think the guys would feel the same way? I don't. You know, I think they ultimately liked him. I think they got along with him. This defense was playing well, but I don't. I don't think it's the same. I don't think they would make as big of a deal if he got fired um, going forward. So I think, I think he, as the season got on, he, he kind of he, the locker room, you know, was was definitely behind him a little bit more because when you're playing better, everything is good, right? But ultimately, when you lose a game like that against against Green Bay, that's whooped your tail. 10 times in a row, nine before that, you had an opportunity to really redeem yourself. You didn't do that. Um, I think that's definitely telling of, of the coaching staff getting the guys ready to play. Yeah, so to circle back to Carm's original question, and I think you were alluding to it, the second player that surprised you the most, I think you were about to say Tyree oh, yeah. Stevenson. Exactly. He, he's a guy that's come a long way, right? He really flashed in training camp early on in the season. He kind of got torched a bunch of times, really over-aggressive, and that's what you tend to see with the young defensive backs, over-aggressive, keeping their eyes in the backfield. But as the season went on, we saw him get better and better. And the second half of the season, he was playing pretty lights out. Some of the picks, the one pick kind of when he uh, dove to the ground, kept it from going on the ground, it was unbelievable to see him play at a high level. Um, his defending was off the charts at times physical in the run game, put his yep. face in there. So across the board, I was pretty happy with the way the linebacking core and defensive backs played, especially that second half of the season. I thought they played pretty well. The way Stevenson closed on that to get him out, to get forward progress stopped and, and get the end of the first half, that was incredible. Like I, I just really thought that showed, you know, um, how much he's ascended through his rookie year. You know, another thing we talked about in the afternoon show, uh, Woot, was, and you just kind of mentioned it, you're not, you, you don't think the locker room would be completely lost if they moved off of Eberflus, even in spite of the fact that they have shown a lot of progress. I mean, the the one issue I think that we're running into or concern we're running into is like a lot of Bears fans, including myself, are going to really lean on how great this defense played over the second half of the season. But when you peel it back and, and we ran through these stats, my buddy Shane Marsau sent these over and, you know, and he basically broke it down the bears defense versus average to excellent quarterbacks in 2023. And the, the list consists of Jordan love, you know, twice Jared Goff twice. And then Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kirk cousins, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Joe Flacco, Kyler Murray, they went two and 10 against the good quarterbacks is long story short. They gave up 25 touchdowns to eight interceptions against those quarterbacks. Like, so yeah, they, they could, they dominate Josh, Josh Dobbs, right? They, you know, have good games against lesser opponents. They dominated 
defensively against the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young. But when they play above average talent, this is where, like, are they really as far along as we feel like they are defensively? Because as you mentioned against Green Bay, they didn't get to the quarterback. Jordan Love is, you know, making a sandwich back there. And he finishes his final week, you know, 26 of 32 for 316 yards and two touchdowns in his two performances bookend first week one. And last week of the season, he has five touchdowns and no interceptions in his two career starts against the bears. Is this defense as far along as we feel like they are, or did they run into an easier schedule? And we need to be cautious about the fact that they still have a lot of work to do, even on that side of the ball. I think the defense definitely has a lot of work to do. I think, especially on the defensive line, I I, I feel pretty confident about the linebacking core and the secondary. There's got to be a decision on Eddie Jackson, but you look in that game, think about how valuable that would have been to have an end opposite Montez Sweat and a three technique that could generate some pressure. That would, that would be a completely different ball game. We look on the other side of the ball with the Packers, what they were able to do in waves of guys. And that's how I said, that the Bears would lose this game, and they completely dominated them. So that's why I, that's why I'm always on the track of continue to build around the defensive line because I think that ultimately wins championships, both the offensive and defensive lines. Um, so I think they are they are not a long way, but I think they are two important pieces: uh, a three technique and a defensive end opposite Montez Sweat. And then I think they can definitely be a top five defense. I mean, they showed that they can do that without them. But when the game's on the line, when you need the extra pressure with your front four in this Tampa scheme or any other scheme, right? It's it's always better to rely on your front four to generate pressure. Then you could have more in coverage. So once they can do that, I, I think this defense can be really lights out. Would I like to, first of all, thank you for carrying Bears After Dark all season long. You did a phenomenal job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of us at CHGO, uh, you know, owe you extra something. See that? I can just mute you, Carm. Oh, wow. See how See how that works? Uh, I mean, that is cold, and I appreciate the fact that you have that power. And I can also I, take you off screen, so uh, just keep I, it up. The, no, no problem. Uh, I, I listen when people make great points on you. You you got to go low, and I, I, that's that's the, that's what you're all about. No, uh, I want to go back to what you said about Jermon, though. Back to the Bears on a big mm-hmm. Bears day. We're midway through the season now. We're at the end of the season, and we're still talking about getting off the ball. At some point, isn't it? You, you got it or you don't. Like, that, is that something you can learn as as you move along here? I mean, that, that that's the whole point when we drafted him, when I was like, I, you, you saw my reaction. Like, I was just like, for this scheme, I, I think he would fit amazing in a 3-4, right? Being, being like that five technique, slide him inside. I think that's where he naturally fits. Can he learn the get off? Potentially. But I think that's something that you either have or you don't. You look at the guys that get off the ball week in and week out. Like, that's just something they've done since peewee football. That's that's what they've been accustomed to. Um, so it, he can do it. I think it's going to be very challenging. But I think if he can do that, watch out. Like, I, I think he could be a real force in there. I've always said, like, the tall defensive tackles, the three techniques, that's such an advantage for them. Guy that's looking like a DeForest Buckner, right? That length on a guard is, is tough sledding. And they're quicker than them. Um, so I think that could be a, a good thing if he can work on that get off. But yeah, it's just, 
it is it is kind of frustrating when you watch it to see him get off the ball so slowly in a in an obvious pass rush situation on third down gotta have it even being at home when it when opposing teams doing the silent count you're like that's when you have the advantage there and he's still getting off the ball slow so i i hope he can figure it out this offseason i mean he's just so talented enough that he's able to make plays but it's really holding him back as far as his development and what he can do. So I uh, apologize for looking away at the screen here a little bit. I've been doing a little mini research project while we've been talking. Um, going back to the quarterback, would we all agree that Justin Fields in the seven games coming back since, since that injury where he missed four and he came back, mm -hmm. would we all agree that Justin Fields improved? Yes. Yes. Okay. What if I told you that in these last seven games, a lot of his numbers are actually worse than the first six? I, 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 saw, I saw that stat, yeah. Um, he, his completion percentage is almost identical. It's actually a tick lower. He's, he actually threw for fewer yards per game in his final seven. Um, he, let's see here touchdowns he had 11 in his first six games throwing 11 passing touchdowns he only had five in his last seven so touchdowns were way down um and his fumbles actually went up so Vikings game and yeah yeah the, the so the two things that the bears have been lauding him for are true he he has taken fewer sacks um, and he also has thrown fewer interceptions. He threw half as many interceptions in these last seven games as he did in the first six. So those are yeah. two good things he did improve. He threw fewer interceptions in these last seven, and he didn't take as many sacks. But that being said, all those other numbers I mentioned actually got worse. And oh, by the way, I checked some of the advanced numbers. The pressure rate in these last seven games, way lower than in the first six so yeah he probably took fewer sacks he's getting pressured a lot less than he was earlier in the season when he was actually putting up bigger numbers i did not know that i i just in fact i didn't even know other people had that out there i just looked this up right now in pro football reference and i'm like shocked to see that because it doesn't seem that way no. but i think you have to take that into consideration when talking about this decision so I, I think it's very skewed because look at those two games in, in uh, Denver and Washington, right? He threw for, what was it, eight touchdowns and almost 800 yards or something mm -hmm. like that, 700 something. So there's a big skew because of those two games, right? It brings up the average a little bit. But there's some things that I'm like, I don't rely just simply on stats. Because when the whole argument when Montez Sweat got here, they said, why are you going to pay this guy that money? He's never had double-digit sacks. He's never, he's never going to be a dominant pass rusher. And I go, well, there's some stats that people don't like to include, how he was top five in pressures. He's top five in defense. And sometimes, right, you can be a talented pass rusher, not get, the, not get those double-digit sacks, but you can have a huge impact on opposing quarterbacks, disrupting the quarterback, pressuring. So sometimes... Stats matter. Sometimes, I don't know, I think from the eye test of what we've seen from Justin Fields, regardless of the stats, we've seen improvement in areas. Yeah, maybe the stats don't indicate, tell the true story. But, yeah, it's, it, it is surprising to hear that. But I think what, what we can agree on 
is especially in that Falcons game. I feel like that's that's one of the best games I think we've seen from him as a as a passer, right? Throwing absolute dimes. And I think that's that's what my whole argument is. He can do it. He can make all the throws. He can make all the plays. I think we haven't got a full picture of him because he's had three years of really bad coordinators. And yeah, he has to clean up some issues here or there. But three years of bad coordinator, it's so crucial to the development of a young quarterback, your coordinator. It really is. I bring that to example. I bring Alex Smith a lot of the times. Their coordinator elevated their games. They took them to being elite quarterbacks. Before that, they were not. So that's why I'm like, pump the brakes. If you got rid of Justin Fields, there'd be people lining up to get him because he is that talented. I think with the right coordinator, he could really flourish in this game and and another weapon. Uh, In that Falcons game, I do believe if we had a true number two receiver, he probably would have thrown for 400 yards. And a couple of touchdowns there, so it's 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 just hard for me because I think there's so much other things that we can build this team around. And if you do address the coaching, I think I think that's the thing that people are sleeping on because they're like, oh, we'll just draft this player and he's going to turn out different. You have to fix the coaching problem. For years, let's say 25 to 30 years, Green Bay has drafted and developed their talent way better than the Bears. Yeah, I just I think that's why the Packers game was so disappointing because they had an opportunity to finish the season on a little bit of a run and have a little bit more of an argument towards some consistency to end because since he's come back, some of their ups have looked great against the Lions and the Falcons, you know, uh, both Lions games and the Falcons game. They were clicking on all cylinders and then you had other games like the Browns and the Vikings where you didn't but you could have finished winning four of your last five, five of your last six and winning is all that matters at the end of the day, but then also stringing together consistent play for this evaluation, this off season. And that's why, you know, dropping the ball the way they did against green Bay. We all understand they had offensive line injuries. Darnell Mooney's out. Luke Getzey may not be the best option at offensive coordinator, but at the end of the day, you know, this is an all encompassing evaluation and, and nobody is is getting off easy on this they all deserve accountability across the board for it um and sometimes i think as fans or or even analysts i think it's easy to try to assign blame one way or the other when sometimes the more complex answer is is everyone is to blame and 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 that's not easy for people to accept because that means there's more problems to fix than less and and, but by the way i i just want to be clear i i agree with people the uh, comments that are saying, you know, stats don't tell the whole story. I agree with what Wu just said about stats because you guys know I keep my own grades on all these games, and that what I just brought up does not match what my grades were, especially in the first three weeks. I'm actually looking up at them right now. They were all in the red. Like the first three weeks of the season, Fields was was not good the first three weeks. And in the sec- sec- second half of the season after the injury, there was a lot more green in there. So I was surprised to see that, when, you know, piling up this last seven games versus the other six. Another question that came up was what about how, how many attempts did he have? Actually the attempts per game number is a little bit higher in these last seven. So it's not like he was just stat padding because he was throwing the ball more early. That's not the case. It's almost equal. So it's just, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, I think it's a tough sell. I guess my point is, is just because he threw fewer interceptions, and just because he took fewer sacks, you're 
going to deny the opportunity to draft a quarterback number one overall. I don't know. It's a tough thing. But you, you guys understand where I'm, where I'm coming from as far 100%. as development. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like we've dropped the ball on so many talented players we've drafted the past 25 years mm -hmm. from the development of them, right? Jay Cutler, you can say whatever you want about him. He is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. What he can do, his skill set, his arm, cannon of an arm, he had all the tools, right? D did, did sometimes... He not seemed like he cared out there to fans and other people. I, I don't know. But I, I just think the coordinators that we had with him, Gase was probably the best one by far. We agree with that when they had that dominant year. But I just think the Packers for so many years, they drafted their talent. They developed the talent. They kind of had the right system. And they did exactly with Jordan Love what they did with Aaron Rodgers, right? Sat behind arguably one of the best quarterbacks, the gunslinger Brett Favre. And whether or not he helped Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers got to learn from him. What does he do well? Um, and then Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the most efficient quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL, right? Touchdowns and interceptions, way different than Favre was. Jordan Love gets to learn behind Aaron Rodgers and starts out the season hot as can be. Then they go through some ups and downs during the season. LaForce trying to figure out how to work with him as a game plan. And I think that's the difference with coaching. Right. Look how LaFleur turned things around. Right. Because Jordan Love first four weeks, hottest quarterback out there. And then all of a sudden he sucks. He can't do this. And then all of a sudden he makes a push. They figure things out. And I think that's the difference between the Bears and the Packers. Better coaches that put their players in a position to succeed. And we see that year in and year out with, you know, Mr. Trubisky, with Jay Cutler, all these quarterbacks. They don't they don't know how to develop the talent and and build around them. We got to do a couple housekeeping things here. Number one, we would early in the show, people are wondering, are you wearing scrubs? Are you kind of like, were you, were you diapering <laughs> up today? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was coming from a case, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in med device sales. So, you know, we, we got to assist. It's the ultimate team, you know? So I got to so, assist the doctors in the surgeries. Yep. So, so as the sales guy, you come in with the scrub? Yeah, coming with the scrubs, you know, they fit tight on the arms. So they asked me if I did biceps earlier. <laughs> They've never asked Bragg's that. I'll tell you that. They're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bra Bra Bragg's T-shirt's all loose in the arms and stuff like that. Not over here, bro. Not over here, brother, man. <laughs> when 6'5 Wood walks in, they're like, oh, this is not the dude that I was expecting to be wait, selling. Wait, you, you, you're taking height from me? Dude, um, I'm 6'6. Six, six. My bad, my bad, my bad. Mm -hmm. I might even be taller with shoes on, man. Like, I, combine six, six and a half, man. Come on. Okay. With no hey, shoes the, on. <laughs> hey, the, the way Whoop talked Braggs into taking uh, uh, fields last week on the show, I mean, he could convince me to buy whatever he's selling. You know what? <laughs> you know what? You try going 17 weeks in the interrogation room with Woot. The man killed Brett Favre, okay? It's not easy, <laughs> all right? Jeez, no, but... <laughs> Terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Real oh, yeah, quick, I usually got so the want, scrubs on. Yep. Got the scrubs. I got one other housekeeping thing, Braggs. What do you do I have to sit here with this neon thing in my face the whole show? Is that all I got to do? Oh, he's trying to block you out. <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I got to like, everybody we else got make full it bigger. box. I, I got to be, I got to, yes, you know. You yes, you do. I, That's I, exactly I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't appreciate that look. I'm just going to tell you right mm -hmm. now. I mean, woo. Hooting over your face, too? There ah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to give a shout-out to our guys over at DraftKings while we're hanging out. Uh, make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs. If 
is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Make sure you're throwing down to have the Packers and Lions losing next week in revenge games. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CHGO. New customers, <laughs> once again, can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878 878- Eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Appreciate you, DraftKings. Uh, we're rolling along here. Not sure what Carm was doing while while Woot was there giggling, but we're about a half hour, less than a half hour away from the national championship. We're going to have all offseason to argue about Justin Fields uh, to trade or to not trade, and, and, and we will do that. But national championship is here tonight, and there's obviously some intrigue from Bears fans. I mean, uh, forget the number one pick. The Bears have the number nine pick, and there's a wide receiver from – Washington that a lot of guys, a lot of bears fans have their eyes on obviously the head coach of Michigan. Everybody's kind of waiting with bated breath to see where he's going to end up. If he's going to stay at Michigan or move on to the NFL, a lot of different options out there from the Raiders to the chargers, to the bears. And uh, I know speaking for myself and, and I think pretty much all of us on this panel, I know how much Corey is an advocate for Jim Harbaugh. I think we'd all love that. So Corey, I'll start with you and then we'll kick it around the horn. We'll start with Harbaugh. Do you think the the result of this game has any bearing on whether or not he return Jim Harbaugh returns to the NFL? I, I think it can for sure. I think if he, they win this game, obviously it's a lot easier of a decision. Um, you know, if it's a close game, comes down the wire, it ends up losing so close. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to money. I. That's that's the biggest thing. I think the right situation and money. I think he I think he likes college, but I think he probably prefers to coach in the NFL. I would I would imagine. So I think uh, the right deal and, and right offer would would make a lot of sense. But when we're talking about Harbaugh, how great would that be? Just think about all the years, the past thirty years of Bears coaching, and offensive coordinators come to mind. None very memorable. Maybe Mike Martz, right? What he did with Kurt Warner and them back back then. But besides that, when have we had this offensive genius that like Philly has had multiple? <laughs> you know, they've had Andy Reid. They had Doug Peterson, Sirisani, right? And Andy Reid over there at um, in Kansas City. They've had they've had some brilliant offensive minds. When are we? for the Bears going to start getting some of these brilliant offensive minds. I think that's the biggest difference when we talk about their quarterback position. I think that's the key element when we go into this offseason about what is the most important thing is the offensive coordinator this upcoming season, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Drake May, you have to have the right offensive coordinator. I'm talking about a guy that can script for whatever quarterbacks over there. Every quarterback has a unique set of skills. 
and it's being able to maximize their talent in the scheme. And the Bears have not had a coordinator that has been able to done that for any quarterback in modern history. So that's what I'm, I'm most concerned of when we talk about the offseason and what the offensive coordinator position. So a couple things, and I know Bragg's moving on to the championship game tonight. Let's go Washington. Uh, I'm very excited for them to kill Go Blue. Uh, and I, anybody around here, the Big Ten people, like, yeah, I'm a, a, like, oh, you're not rooting for Michigan tonight, right? Um, I don't know. You're, I'm able to watch games without rooting for either team. <laughs> you're not. Well, you are not Washington rooting for Michigan. Cover. That's what I'm rooting for. I, not, I, I, root, I root for the Big Ten teams because then it makes the Big Ten look good. What no, no, no. they win, dude? Dude, you played for Northwestern. You hate Michigan. You hate their arrogance. You you, you find them annoying, and you want to see them lose. Screw the conference. Don't, doesn't, not, none of that matters. You're a cat. You're not a Big Ten guy. You don't get a Big Ten helmet. You get a cat helmet. Well, I feel, see, I feel like Michigan players are pretty nice for the most part. Yeah, you know? I feel that way yeah, about Ohio State. Oh Those it, Iowa was, players, man. If Ohio State was playing tonight, I'd be rooting against them. But I don't Michigan, okay, so you don't whatever. have it for Michigan. All right, Can I fine. answer the Harbaugh question that Bragg's asked? Sure. Yes, because, you may. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think the only thing that matters is that, it's, is that a team actually wants them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, the Vikings didn't want him two years ago. I don't know exactly what happened last year in Denver, but he pulled his name out and they ended up with Sean Payton, which tells me they wanted Sean Payton more. You know, like. I, I I think that he just he's got to find the spot where they mutually agree to whatever terms he wants, whether it's money, power, and then the second that's actually granted to him, he's gonna leave. So I don't think it has any effect on tonight's game. I think that if they lose by four hundred tonight and tomorrow he gets offered the right job at the right price, he's leaving Michigan, especially 100%. with all the smoke with the allegations that are coming down a possible suspension and you know the fact that he just hired Don Yee um and I don't know that it's a guarantee that some teams is just going to give them all that because multiple teams have turned that down multiple teams with money I mean the Broncos paid Sean Payton a lot of money and and it, they so I'm still skeptical if if he does if he's back at Michigan next year I think it has more to do with the fact that teams didn't want him um, rather than him just being like, no, let's run it back because we lost this game tonight. I don't, I don't think that's how it's going to be. Well, let me ask you this, Hogue, because I do think if it, if, if the bears are interested, I think it could come down to leverage and he, let's say he, after this game says, I'm going to the NFL and the bidding start the bidding now with the teams. And to me, that's if if the Bears were interested, they have to wait on that. They can't fire Matt Eberflus today because if they if they do, and then they get outbid by another team, then they're 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 left with nothing. So, when you're looking at the Raiders and the Chargers, are there any other teams? Because you know, I, I feel like those are the only two that make sense to me. And then with the Raiders, the other question I wanted to ask you is. Do you think Antonio Pierce is going to stick there? Because when we talk about locker room culture, it really seems like they have something something cultivating there with him. So I'm tr I'm just trying to see an avenue where these other teams move a different direction and Harbaugh's options are limited, which gives the Bears a little more opportunity for leverage for Jim Harbaugh to carry this dream into the sunset for myself. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it, it comes down to resources. I think Washington has resources now. 
um, with their new ownership group. And they got Magic Johnson behind the scenes. They just hired the executive that built the Warriors uh, to come help that search. So, you know, if they want to be in on that, I think they can be. I think the Chargers can be in on that. I think the Raiders have always wanted to to make a splash like that. The Raiders make a lot of sense, especially considering that groundbreaking contract they signed John Gruden to, if you, you know, a while back. That obviously didn't work out. Um, and I think Harbaugh would have mutual interest in going back to the Raiders where, you know, he once was on that coaching staff before he became a head coach. So, uh, you know, I think those are some obvious fits that make a lot of sense for Jim Harbaugh. But again, um, you know, it, 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 with Antonio Pierce, it's, it's it's almost the fluce conversation all over again. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Everybody in the locker room likes him. Everybody's getting along. It's better than it was with Josh McDaniels. Um, but is that really the best coach you can hire right now? And I think if you're the Raiders and you can get Jim Harbaugh, you make that move. I I, I agree with Flex Diggs. I I think Antonio Pierce has more of an impact on the Raiders locker room than Iberflus has ever had on the Bears in the short period of time. You've seen it with D'Amico Ryans in Houston, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I think those are the type of coaches you want to, the younger guys that, you know, that are really passionate can give you those people. You run, run through a brick wall. There was no denying the impact that he had once he took over. Guys were having fun. Guys were out there. I think he has that locker room for sure. I think they bought into. Now it's going to be a matter of hey, they got to dress the quarterback position bad because Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy Garoppolo, they weren't getting it done at all. Couldn't throw a touchdown pass at the end, so they're going to have to draft the quarterback right. They're going to try to get up to maybe that first overall pick. So they could they, they could be in conversation with the Bears when that when that comes to that time because they need a quarterback bad. But I would I wouldn't be shocked if they stick with Pierce, just because I, f- I feel like he has that locker room and and it's hard to disrupt that once he got them they were playing so poorly and then all of a sudden they turned things around. So Car- I wouldn't Carm, be surprised. Carm couldn't hang in the Raiders locker room with those post game cigars they're smoking oh, after that's every a, game. That's, <laughs> that's a true story. But hey, hey, <laughs> hey, well, one, well, okay. Speaking of impact in locker room, not exactly the same thing, but today's exit interview day, we've been waiting for news all day long. What was that like, exit interview day? You're sitting, you're, you, is it, I mean, is it a mere formality? You show up, hey, hey, great job, Corey. We want you to get stronger and get faster in the offseason. And we think that yeah. you, you can be really uh, excellent for us next year. I mean, is, is it real? I mean, what, what goes on in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have Rob Mar- Marinelli. And uh, after my rookie year, it was a pretty good exit interview because I feel like I, I played pretty well towards the end of the season, um, developed. Second year, I got hurt um, and then didn't really play that much throughout the season. Exit interview, he's just like, yeah, you got to get a lot better. You got to get a lot better. Like, you, you got to get a lot better. Like, that shit wasn't cutting it. Like, and I was just like, okay. But that really motivated me, right? Then I knew essentially, like, if I if I didn't ball out the following year, 2012, I was probably going to be cut from the team. So that whole offseason, I had that in my mind. Same thing when I had the breakout year at Northwestern. Coach Fitzgerald said the same thing to me. Basically, and I think that's the mark of a great coach knowing how to push your players' buttons to get the best out of them. And they both did that in critical years when I had a bad year the year before, saying how much I sucked and needed to improve. And I took it personally. I wrote I wrote it on my wall, and I was like, you know what? Every time I worked out, I looked at it. That's the mark of a good coach. And uh, that <laughs> those exit interviews, 
I remember I knew that year. I was like, oh, Marinelli tells it how it is. I was like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna rip me a new one. Like saying you, you know, because I came out in 2011, had a really good preseason, you know, was on kickoff and, and tore my meniscus, and then just wasn't feeling right throughout the season. But um, yeah, I knew he was gonna rip me on that, and that's what it is. Usually, usually some coaches like sugarcoat it. But that's what I respected about him the most is he'd keep it real with you. Like he wouldn't say, oh, yeah, good job. And, you know, see you next year or something like he'd be like, honestly, this is what you need to improve on. Right. You need to improve on all these areas. You need to work on your get off. You need to work on your hands. You need to work on this. And uh, I think that's that's awesome that he did that. And he did that with with a guy like Henry Melton as well. Um, after his rookie year to his second year, really, really had that improvement. Then he switched in the defensive tackle. Because if Henry Melton would have stayed as a defensive end, and this is no knock on him, he wouldn't have had the type of career he did as, as a three technique. I think that was Marinelli saying, hey, as an end, don't really see, see this panning out. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. Let me shift him inside, put some weight on him. And it really worked out. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level before he hurt his knee. Yeah, so uh, rolling along here as we're, you know, about 15 minutes, less than 15 minutes from kickoff of um, Washington and Michigan National Champion College Football National Championship. Uh, so, Corey, I'll start with you, man. I mean, uh, Roma Dunze, wide receiver out of Washington, 6'3", you know, runs a 4'3", 40. You know, everybody's all the talk is Marvin Harrison Jr., and rightfully so. Uh, he's been a top-line prospect for a long time with his uh, dad's lineage he's following up with, and I'm sure he's going to live up to it in the league. But with the Bears sitting at the number nine pick, uh, Roma Dunze uh, very well could be sitting there and made a lot of big plays here uh, in the semifinal. How much are you watching, you know, the wide receivers here coming out? Have you have you watched a lot of Dunze? What do you think of his game? Yeah, yeah no, I've watched a lot of them, uh, especially because Penix – been a real big Penix fan. I, I was following him since Indiana when I worked at the Big Ten Network. Yep. And just to see where he came from back then to the quarterback he is now is unbelievable. But uh, to, to the wide receiver, Rome, I think he is such a talented receiver. Obviously, if I have my pick, it'd be Marvin Harrison Jr. I think I think he's number one. Got to have a receiver. But I would, I would be okay having him. I think he's talented. I think he can make all the catches. He can stretch the field. He's got good ball skills. I would be happy with him as well, but it's like one of those things. Like I would rather have Marvin Harrison Jr. But however it works out, right? Trading back picks, getting more of an arsenal, I can understand that and getting him. Do you like uh, Malik Neighbors more than him? Have you been able to dive that deep into it? So I, I haven't. I haven't really uh, dove into Malik Neighbors to be honest with you. I, I've mostly been focusing on those two. Those have been my two, but definitely wanted to dive more into him. Um, just because I, I, I feel like uh, Marvin Harrison, like when I look at his tape, it's just the, the catches he makes through traffic, tough situations, the separation. His dad is definitely, from the time he, he got into football, has been coaching him because he, he plays like a coach's son. It's unbelievable to see his route running ability. Um, how would you guys feel? Get... Is it like I have to have, if I'm getting a receiver, is it I have to get Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or is it? I just feel like you have to get one of these three wide receivers. Brian Poles, for as much as I love him, the one spot he's had trouble with so far in his tenure as GM is wide receiver. Bayless Jones, 
not a great pick. Chase Claypool, not a great trade. Tyler Scott, you know, still obviously a lot left in his career, but, you know, still haven't seen enough. So you get one of these three wide receivers. I mean, you got to hit it. And that's why Marvin Harrison Jr. does make sense because there's not a lot of thought process into that kind of a pick. You know who he is. But I just feel like you have to come away with one of these three top line prospects. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, obviously. I, I'm. A, I'm huge on Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think it's as big of a. Uh, definitely gotta have one of these top three guys situation, mainly because of positional value, um, and the depth that isn't that's already apparent in this class, but also seemingly now for like the last five to seven years, it's like every draft seems to be loaded with wide receivers. It's more about just making sure you scout them. Right. You know, like let, let's look at a couple guys. So the Rams got Puka Nakua. Yep. Way later in the draft. Was it a fifth round pick? Fifth round pick. Yep. Fifth round pick. Okay. Um, Jaden Reed, who we talked a lot about last year. Like, he'd look really good next to DJ Moore. Like, let's not forget the Bears already have DJ Moore. So, yes, obviously, if you can get one of these elite guys, it's going to be great. But if there's fewer, you know, if there was a, and I don't think there is one staring at you right now, but let's just say there was, like, Jalen Carter coming out again here, a dominant three technique that's a perfect fit for this defense. Like, I would prioritize that over Marvin Harrison Jr. right now, just because of the depth there is at wide receiver. And we talked to Brian Baldinger earlier this season, and he said, I would never draft a wide receiver first overall because there's just so many of them, and you can find them. And and I think that's a fair point. Um, so, you know, now if you can do a combo where, like, you get Caleb Williams at one and Romo Dunze at nine, okay. With with DJ Moore, and I mean, you could sign me up for that. I, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, but the the elite of the elite, like I'm, I'm not, and that's what everybody is, you know, saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be. That dude is worth his weight in gold, man. I mean, that's a, you know, I mean, think about what Tyreek Hill brought in a trade for the Chiefs, so the, the value that these guys have. If you can, if you really hit the home run, but it, it, again, that comes down to, do you think he's that? Clearly, Woot does. Yeah, yeah, I do think like imagine him and DJ Moore together. Like who are you gonna double yeah. at that point? It, right. So it takes the pressure off off either of them and they'll both be able to flourish. Like what? Marvin Harrison Jr. had double coverage pretty much all the season. So uh, I do um, I also I, I do want to like throw in here that last year in this draft there was one guy in Chicago who was telling you to pick Puka Nakua. And I jumped right on board because it was the greatest name ever. But Adam Hogue was he, he was Puka Nakuing, man. You Nakua. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a bad number two, man. Yeah, you know. Puka Nakua. Hold on. I, I, I'd rather say I was I Puka'd. I think you did though. You yeah. were you you you. I remember the show. You were fired up about Puka Nakua, and I was like, I I think I just watched some of his video too. I'm like, I like him too. Nakua's. And, and what I about think Bra- what about Bragg's guy, Quentin Johnson? But I, I, I want Bragg's guy. He slowed on there, Bragg's guy. <laughs> I, I I was a little too Jackson Smith and Jigba obsessed. I I do get obsessed with skill position guys. Uh, you know, I was even talking about uh the running back that went to Atlanta. I'm always looking to load up on offense because I just dream of the day of the Bears having a top line offense in the NFL. Uh, and I think ultimately it'll come down to how they approach free agency as well. 
you know, because that comes before the draft. And, and so if they can address the other pass rusher opposite of Montez sweat, maybe that changes. And I know you're a big fan of Newton, the D tackle out of Illinois. I actually spoke with, uh, his former coach, uh, who's the current head coach, uh, for the Purdue Boilermakers football team. I talked to him a little bit about Newton at, uh, the Purdue Illinois game here the other day, uh, just to keep an eye on, uh, some of the players here tonight that are coming out. Michael Penix jr. Obviously, um, you know, this guy is just slinging it all over the yard. Uh, so I know everybody kind of knows about him, but Blake Corum running back out of Michigan, you know, a lot of people are going to have their eyes on him. I mean, running back market goes down. So hard to say exactly where he'll fall in the draft, but you know, he's going to, you know, probably make a difference in the league. As we mentioned, Rome, Roma Dunze, uh, tight end, AJ Barner from Michigan, Another guy, some people are keeping their eye on offensive tackle, Troy Fatanu from Washington. I'm not sure where exactly he'll fall. Uh, let me get through these. Cause then I want to ask, um, I want to ask you a question about Braxton Jones, but then another guy mentioned is the center for Michigan, Drake Nugent, uh, you know, and the bears are obviously in the market for a center, um, you know, going back to the left tackle point. Cause that was something I d- did want to ask you before we wrap up here, Corey, you know, you were somebody here in the off season heading into the year. And even in some of our discussions during the season, like Braxton Jones need to show you more. You weren't completely sold on him. Uh, you know, when we spoke about him last off season, you know, now that we're through this year, cause that's another point of emphasis. Like if one of those left tackles were to fall to number nine, are you replacing Braxton Jones or do you think he did enough to hold that job down? You know, I think he played well enough to be a starter again next year. Do I think he's the franchise left tackle for 10-plus years to come? Not right now. He could develop into that. But right now, I don't think he's that. And I think the question this offseason for Poles, being a former offensive lineman, really, really involved with the trenches, is, is this team offensively and defensive line-wise good enough to make a playoff push and potentially a Super Bowl push. And that's that's what he has to see that because I know he loves Braxton Jones. He feels like he got a steal. And for 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 that pick to be able to be a starter since his rookie year and you know as a rookie had a pretty good year, needed to work on his strength. I thought he worked on his strength this year. But I just don't think there's anything right now like I said that shows me that he's the franchise left tackle and I think Every team, just like they need a franchise quarterback, needs that franchise left tackle. I think that's key. You look at Trent Williams in San Francisco, 14, 15 years in the game, still one of the best. So every team needs that. And I think if you can address the defensive line, especially that end opposite sweat, whether it's in free agency or the draft, and you still have another option, and there's a there's a tackle, a legit left tackle that could be your franchise guy. You might have to pull the trigger at that point. But couple of uh, NFL news and notes coming out. Ian Rapport reporting that uh, the Carolina Panthers have their eye on two guys. Uh, one, Dave Canellis, the uh, uh, Bucks offensive coordinator, who was also in Seattle. Uh, a couple of years ago with Geno Smith. And also the, they're looking at the, the Texans OC, Bobby Slowich. So somebody to unlock Bryce Young, please, is what the way Carolina seems to be starting out their deal. Yeah, makes it makes a lot of sense there. Um, well, 
since you brought up that mock draft, do we want to make Bears fans puke? <laughs> oh no! From last year, the one that meant that had Puka in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jalen Carter. Did you have him in? Well, I mean, that's a fair point. I had him as a, I put him in there as a seventh rounder at that point. Now, this was my first mock draft, though. This was um, February fourteenth. Okay, so it was kind of obvious to me by the time we got to the draft that he would go earlier than he did, or than I thought on February fourteenth. That being said. Just in terms of identifying the talent, Jalen Carter, John Michael Schmitz, the center, had a pretty good year with the Giants. Uh, Keon White, that one didn't work out as well. He was had a very quiet rookie year with uh, the Patriots. Keanu Benton went the Steelers, had a really good year. I'm not going to go through all of them because the Bears had so many picks, but Jaden Reed ended up bang, as Packer. Bang. We've talked a lot about him. And then down the list was Puka Nakua as well. Oh, boy. Yeah. I had I had CJ Stroud. I I'm kidding. Yep. Yeah. Darnell Wright. Well, Darnell and that actually was the pick in the last mock draft. Yeah. So how about, how about Carl Brooks, man? That was a guy I was uh, real high, man. He's he's looked really good this year. Do you see Carl, some of the plays he made on Sunday in yep. the backfield? And, and he I could not believe, and he was definitely in one of the other mock drafts. We talked a lot about him. He had a great senior bowl, I thought. I could not believe what did he end up going? I think in the sixth round, I want to say where he finally got yeah. drafted. I remember sitting there on Saturday morning of I the third day him. of the draft and being like, how the hell's this guy not been picked? He's good. Yeah. He's good. He's good. He's good. And then who picks him? The freaking Packers did. pick him. And guess what? He's good. And he wrecked the bears offensive line last night. So frustrating. Oh, man, that, that one stings because he has such great quickness. And in this scheme, I thought he would really flourish, you know, in that, in that oh. green Bay scheme, it's okay, but the Tampa two is a defensive lineman that gets off the football's dream, and it would it would have been awesome to have him. But hopefully this year we'll look back after the draft or free agency, free agency, and say, man, the Bears really finally got it with their picks, and they addressed all the needs to make them a dominant team. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, well, well, I think Ryan Poles, you know, had a tough situation to build this team back up. You know, yes, he's the one that tore it down. But now that the team is starting to fill the holes and there isn't as many, maybe there's a different aggressiveness to his approach in free agency in the draft than he would here in the last couple of years where there was mm-hmm. a, just a broader range of, of holes to, to fill on this team. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, like we've been saying here the last couple of days, uh, if you haven't already, make sure you got something for us, Karn, before I close things up. You're good, brother. All right. Yeah, because I was just going to say, if if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel because we're doing six shows a week, you know, uh, five shows every day at noon, and we're doing Bears After Dark on Mondays. Uh, We're going to keep that rolling here through the offseason. All these guys will be breaking down, you know, the the players coming out in the draft, Nick Moriano, Will DeWitt included in all that, uh, Senior Bowl, Super Bowl, Combine, you know, free agency all the way across the board. Any breaking news hits, we go live right away. Uh, we're here for you, Bears fans, uh, 24-7. Uh, and that's what we pride ourselves on at CHGO Sports. So please uh, hit that like button on your way out. Once again, go to allchgo.com and become a diehard if you haven't already for some of that exclusive content like Hogue just mentioned as he hides behind uh, the graphic. And then you can get access to the top 100 players coming out in free agency and you can see Mark Carmen take a 
a terrible jump shot at Midtown Athletic. Those are the things you get when you become a diehard, including a free shirt right out the gate and uh, discounts on any shirts in the future and, uh, you know, discounts on our tailgates and live events. And we do a lot of them all the way across the board, not with just with Bears, but with all the teams we cover here in Chicago sports. So that wraps things up here for tonight. Thank you to Adam and Mark. Carm. What do you no, got? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, just a little jab. No, he's just jittery. He's Get had too much balance, coffee. Get my balance, <laughs> So thank, thank you to Adam and Mark for gracing us with your presence here on Bears After Dark. Corey, it's about time they came here because I had to deal with you all season. Corey, oh. you know, you, you might have punked me out last week, but I feel like now the tides are turning. I'm starting to punk you out. I'm not, everybody thinks I'm afraid of you. I ain't afraid of you. I don't care how big you are. Maybe Brett Favre, you know, he might be afraid of you. Greg Braggs is not afraid of you. Hear me? You hear me, Woot? And I'm not just saying that because I'm behind the screen over here in Northwest. Yeah, you are. Indiana. Yeah, you are. I might be. When, when, you, when we see each other again, I just want to, I want, I want that same energy. All right, big dog. Hey, I want to see you, that same. You know energy. what? If Jake <laughs> approves it, we'll do the, we can do the Oklahoma drill. But we get Jake's no. approval. Braggs, we can do Braggs, the Braggs, Braggs, I'll throw you out the window. Literally, I don't want to hurt you, man. I don't want to hurt Ooh, you. I'm you going to get you some golf balls that have Braggs' face on them. So next time you, you, you get on the on the tee, you just put Braggs' head right there on the tee. And then you just, you just hit that classic 400-yard drive that you got oh, in that bag. Can, can, I, t- can I tell you, if, if things shake out and, and the Bears, for some reason, they end up keeping Justin Fields. We're going to see over Tommy Twitter over here say, see, I knew it. Justin Fields is the guy going forward. Oh, I love him. Oh, <laughs> he's he's what he's whatever happens. Oh, that's his new thing. That's <laughs> Tommy Twitter. That's so good. We're flipping. We're flipping. Oh, I knew it the whole time. Oh, Justin Fields. <laughs> hey, can I ask you a question about what's happening in this photo? Where'd your legs go? <laughs> I've been skipping leg day. Apparently, Wait, you see, you see that shirt right there. That is a medium shirt. Look how small the arms fit around. You know, I have a three X. It fits tight around my arms. You know, like that's because a guy that works out and does biceps. You know, you got the you got the arms of like a, a middle school child. Come on, bro. Come Did on, you man. See? That some fan went and took all those signs down? Yes, that, that's the new. So a fan what put all the these world? signs up that say, we want fields in trust in Justin, we trust in. And yeah. Bears Twitter is just in rare form this year. Somebody then drove over to House Hall and ripped all the signs out of the ground. So we're off to a, a hell of a start here. Day one of the off season. Tommy fully, Twitter, Tommy I fully, Twitter, baby. I fully expect a thousand more signs to be on, uh, you know, what is that? Oh. George Hallis drive. I don't even know the name of that. This team. is going to be such a fun off season because we're going to see him go back and forth all off season. Oh yeah. We mm-hmm. should stay. No, we shouldn't. Oh, this, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hulk. I don't know. Carm. TT. <laughs> all right. So I got Michigan tonight. Who do you got? Don't do the spread crap. Who do you got? Washington. (laughs) Washington for Hogue. Corey's got Michigan. Who do you got? Carm. I like Penix. All right. Carm's got Washington. Poppy, who are you picking? Poppy's the tiebreaker. He's Poppy's taking Harbaugh. She she does like go blue. Hey, real quick before we get up. Do you see any scenario where Jalen Daniels could be the first quarterback pick? 
I no. don't. I mean, I think he can climb up the board uh, like Anthony Richardson. I've, he won Heisman, so he's even more of a prospect than mm-hmm. Richardson. But I, I'm hoping he can squeeze into that top 10 be, because then that'll push some of those quality players to nine that'll fall to the Bears. So uh, we got all offseason to talk yep. about it. Let's get to the national championship. Thanks again for everybody for hanging out. Please hit the like button on your way out. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. As always, bear down. Y'all silly like the mayor.